Father, thank you for this time that we have to look at your word, to hear your voice. Please speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Enable us to see Jesus more clearly, what he means for our lives, to put our hope in him in an uncertain world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God has sent a saviour, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. His birthday was the beginning of the good news for the world that came by reason of him. From his birth, a new reckoning of time must begin. Now, who would you say those words were written about? Well, they were actually written about the Emperor Augustus in about 9 BC. They were written on a plaque that was dug up in a, a city called Priene in Turkey uh, in the 19th century. And this inscription is known as the Priene Calendar Inscription because its purpose is to establish a new calendar based around the birth of this Roman emperor who indeed, as predicted, ushered in a period of peace, a Pax Romana. And that lasted about 200 years. His birth was heralded as good news, a gospel. It's the same word that's used in that inscription as we find in our Bibles. And they thought, well, it would be good to mark the fact that he had been born and to mark his birthday in the calendar. Now, does that sound a little bit familiar? Well, it should do because the reading we heard comes just after Luke has begun this chapter by focusing on the same Caesar Augustus, who had decreed that a census should take place. But the camera has immediately panned away from him to this unknown family in Bethlehem and a mother who gives birth to a child and now on the hillside outside the town another gospel another message of good news comes to some shepherds now they're not kind of um, outcasts as is sometimes depicted but they're certainly poor and they're not an obvious audience for angels an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You might say the angels knocked their socks off, though of course the shepherds watching their flocks by night probably weren't wearing any socks, and they certainly didn't wash them. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Did you know the most repeated command in the Bible is uh, not love God or love your neighbour as yourself or something like that. It is, do not be afraid. It comes up again and again and again. Do not be afraid, or words to that effect. Do not fear. It's spoken often by angels. And it's, it's probably helpful to remember that angels are not, you know, cute little children with tinsel halos, but fearsome soldiers. At least that's how the Bible depicts them. So I think there is a good chance that if an angel showed up, you would be intimidated, you would be scared as much as anything. But there's more going on here than that, because as well as this angel appearing, the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
So this is some kind of supernatural brightness that is associated with God appearing. It's the kind of thing that Isaiah saw in that vision in chapter 6 of Isaiah that we heard in the first reading. And again, just as Isaiah responds in that reading, an appropriate response to that is fear. God is not somebody that we mess around with. And yet, when we speak of fear today, a fear of God probably wouldn't feature very high on our list of things to fear, would it? Um, there's, of course, plenty of things to be fearful of in the world at the moment. Uh, we, we, we heard Edie speaking about some of them before. Plenty to worry. You know, there's talk of this new strain of coronavirus and what that means. I, I, I've been struck that some fear in this time of COVID is more obvious than others. You know, um, some of the fear is clear. You know, so we, we fear the virus, we fear its effects. I guess for others though, there are some who, who think, well, that's all a bit over the top. Um, but the more that people go down that line, we end up feeling, instead of fearing the virus, we end up fearing the restrictions and fearing the effects of them. You know, what about the economy? What's going to happen? What about our liberty and our freedom? Has the world gone totally mad? And that is causing huge fear and anxiety. Now, of course, fear itself is often a, a reasonable response to situations that we find ourselves in, including COVID, including the restrictions and yet here is an appearance and a message that rather puts all fears like that in perspective the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom says proverbs you know you can fear covid you can fear, you can fear the effects of everything that comes with it you can fear them as much as you like, but if you don't appreciate that God is holy and he's not someone we can mess around with, and if, if he shows up on a mountainside, forget whatever else is making you anxious today. You know, no doubt the everyday life of a shepherd had its anxieties and sadnesses and frustrations as they, you know, they needed to keep watch of these sheep. And if one goes missing, that is a source of great anxiety. But on that night, the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with a new kind of fear but that's only the start do not be afraid then says the angel do not be afraid why well because i have a gospel i have good news the angel says i'm not here to condemn you and simply pronounce judgment on your sin even though we know as sinners that that is what we deserve that is not why the angel came to those shepherds i'm here to bring good news of great joy because of a saviour and that's the first thing that we see here we're going to see a saviour we're going to see a sign and a song but first a saviour a saviour born to God's people now what a way to describe a baby who's just been born and I, we, we talked about this, this inscription about the Emperor Augustus. As far as I understand it, that wasn't written when he was born. That was written after he'd come to power. And then they thought, well, we'd better mark his birth and, and you know, name the calendar after him. That's usually what happens, isn't it, with um, you know, famous people in history or significant 
powers. It's not at the moment of their birth that they are heralded in this way. But this goes further um, than that, that the way that Emperor Augustus was called a saviour as well. It, 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 he's described here as the Messiah, the promised anointed king awaited for generations, you know, for thousands of years, in fact, they've been waiting for him. And he's called the Lord. And the, the, that word Lord is how Greek speakers would have translated God's Old Testament name. You know, when you actually, when we read the Bible now, we read the Old Testament and we see that word Lord in capital letters, that is Yahweh, that's the Old Testament name for God that he was known as among his people and they translated that as Lord. And so when it says this saviour, this is the Lord, yeah, they know what that means. That's an extraordinary thing to say about a baby. Not even, you know, we think hereditary monarchies, that, you know, we celebrate the birth of Prince George, but you don't call him Lord in the sense of God. And this is the same Lord, if you think about it, that Luke has just said, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and now they're talking about this baby is the Lord. What an extraordinary thing to say. This Lord of glory is here. So do you see, here is a saviour, which means that in the presence of God, you don't need to be afraid. And there are hints here of how that is possible. Jesus has come in fulfilment of God's plan. He's come as the Lord himself. He's stepping into his own world to save his people. He's dying the death they deserve so they can stand in God's presence without fear. And do you notice the angel says this is good news for all the people. That's God's people, Israel, to begin with, though Luke will go on to show how that promise and invitation opens up to the entire world. But he says to the shepherds, he's a saviour for you, for all the people, but also for you. That is the way this gospel, this good news always comes to us, isn't it? We need to know there is a saviour. You know, we need to know Jesus has lived and died and risen from the dead. Sin has been defeated. Death has died. We need to know those things are true, but we need to know this saviour is my saviour. Otherwise, it's just a nice thing that happened 2,000 years ago, isn't it? Or a nice thing that happens to other people. No, this is a saviour for you. And that is still true today. These shepherds weren't anyone in particular. They were just regular people doing their job. And the angel says, there's a saviour born in Bethlehem for you. And of course, to accept that for ourselves and to see it as good news, well, we need to admit that there is something we need saving from, don't we? If I turn up in your kitchen unannounced, I'm sure that's completely illegal under tier four, but just bear with me, and say, you know, don't be afraid. I have great news for you. I have come to fix your dishwasher. I think there are two questions that you ought to be asking. First, is there a problem with the dishwasher? Because if there isn't, get out of the kitchen. Second, if we grant there is a problem with the dishwasher, are you, Tom, the kind of person who can fix it? Well, answer no, not really, if I'm honest. I will not be a reliable saviour. But with this 
announcement of a saviour, we need to be clear then, there is a problem. Saviours aren't given to people who are fine as they are. And the problem is, well, how can I stand in the presence of a holy God without my sin, my rebellion against God being dealt with? It was that thing that Isaiah felt, again, as we heard in the reading, woe to me, I, I am a person of unclean lips. But there is a saviour who can actually save us through his death in our place. Can you see that? Maybe we know that through this year we have been distanced from God or we don't know him at all. Well, this is a time, this Christmas, to come back to him because there is a saviour and there is a saviour for you. With this saviour, secondly, then, comes a sign. A sign. So think of the Emperor Augustus for a moment. What would be the sign that he is who he he is? Well, his pedigree was flawless. He was born into a wealthy Roman family. His place of birth was a comfortable house in the heart of power. Within a stone's throw of the Roman Forum, he enjoyed um, the support of Julius Caesar as uh, he was growing up. when you go and look for this saviour, shepherds, what will be the sign that you found him? Well, first, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And actually, there's nothing remarkable about that. That, that is what babies are normally wrapped in. But in one sense, that's the point. This is a normal-looking baby that you're going to find. No huge halo, not floating an inch or two above the ground, just lying there in swaddling clothes, a normal baby, but in a very unnormal place. Not a a, a palace, not lying in a beautifully prepared crib, but in a manger where animals eat. This is the Saviour. This is the Lord. This is God himself come to earth as a man. Think for a moment what this is saying about what godness looks like, about what it means to be God's king and what power looks like. You see, it's not Augustus-shaped. It's not the kind of power and birth you would associate with a royal emperor. Now, of course, there are other great leaders in history who have been born in poverty and risen to great power, but that poverty and powerlessness would usually be seen as something to be left behind. Of course, that's where I started, but it's not where I ended up, people would be keen to say. Is it like that with Jesus? Well, no. Actually, even Christians sometimes are keen to rush past this tiny start to the life of our Saviour. You know, we want to say, look, look, he grew up, you know. He didn't stay a baby. He became a man. He, He died on the cross. Don't linger at the manger. And we find ourselves kind of saying that, don't we, to people? But Luke thinks we need to know this. We do need to linger here a while if we're really going to understand who Jesus is. It's not the only thing we need to know about Jesus. But we need to know it. If it wasn't necessary for Jesus to be born a baby, well, surely he wouldn't have been. If it wasn't necessary for him to be born in in, in poverty, well, surely he wouldn't have been. He have, could have turned up in some other way. God could have saved the human race in whatever way he chose, but he chose this way. 
He was willing to make himself nothing, as Paul puts it in Philippians 2. He became a servant. So even here, we're seeing that the shape of Jesus' life will be not to lord it over others, but to serve, to confound the wisdom of the world, to exercise power through giving it up, in the end by dying in order to reign over all. So even as we head now through COVID and all the frustration and sadness and isolation even of a COVID tier four Christmas, we mustn't lose sight of the way that Jesus entered the world and what that shows us about what kind of people he's identifying with as he does that. Not with the sorted, the happy, the powerful, the wealthy, the well-connected, but the poor the lonely, the outsider, the forgotten. He knows what it is to suffer. So when we suffer, we have a saviour who has suffered like us and suffered with us, and in doing that made it possible for suffering one day to end. So we've seen a saviour, a sign, and then a song. Sometimes people ask, don't they? They say, you know, if God is there... Why doesn't he write messages in the sky to prove it? And one answer to that is, well, he kind of did. Of course, we don't quite know what this would have looked like. It doesn't actually say the angels were kind of flying around, as they're often depicted in in nativity scenes or whatever. Um, And actually what it says, although we call this a song, it says they said it. So make of that what you will. But a great company of the heavenly host um, is is talking... That means an army... An army of angels is suddenly there and Luke is piling on the reasons to take this seriously, to take what is his account of what happened seriously. This is not just myth. He began his book by saying, I have carefully investigated what happened. I've talked to the eyewitnesses. We can be in no doubt that Luke intends us to understand this as what happened as he tells us from his historian's point of view. And therefore, with this song that comes from these angels, this is, again, confirming that this is no ordinary event. They say, first, glory to God, and only to God. Glory to God in the highest. No glory to be shared with others. The basic message of Augustus's reign, again, would have been glory to man, wouldn't it? Glory to the emperor, glory to what human beings can achieve when we get it together. And as time went on, they spoke of the Pax Romana, as I talked about, the Roman peace. And that lasted 200 years. 200 years without major conflict. What an achievement. Of course, it was a, that was a slightly subjective way of looking at it. It was, it was good for Roman citizens, Less good if you were a slave or an enemy of the people, but, you know, they didn't worry about that. Even then, even after five good emperors, as they called them, that peace gave way to war eventually once again. And it's been remarked that the normal pattern for Christians throughout history has been that they've regularly faced three challenges. War, famine, and pestilence. Now, of course, since the end of World War II... 75 years ago, none of 
those things has really featured in any meaningful way in the Western world. The vast majority of people have been able to live whole lives even in peace, relative prosperity, with enough food to eat and free from widespread illness. History tells us we would be utter fools to think that it will always be like this. But do we believe that really? When the pandemic hit earlier in the year, there was much talk in wider society about how we need to learn lessons and change our ways. On the whole, though, I think it's probably true to say we'd rather now just forget those lessons and get back as quickly as we can to how things were before, whatever that means. And in one sense, that's understandable, but the angel's message reminds us this peace that you are looking for, this return to normality, well, it may well be elusive in this age. But there is a different kind of peace that the Romans couldn't deliver in the face of war and famine and plague that the West won't be able to deliver to us either. But Jesus did. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. It's not speaking first about peace on earth in the, in the sense of an end to conflict here and now, but peace with God. You know, we sometimes ask, don't we, where is this peace that he announced? I don't see it now. What I see is suffering and war and famine. And it's been pointed out many times, one of the reasons we don't see peace in our world is that we focus on the second half of this song, but not the first half. You know, we want peace without giving glory to God. And that's impossible, because in the place of giving glory to God, what do we do? We prefer to give glory to ourselves. And that's why arguments happen on Christmas Day. And that's why wars start. But when God is in his rightful place as Lord and as Saviour, then what follows is peace. First with him, and then he calls his people to be people of peace, reflecting out into the world the peace that we've received from him. When we know how loved and accepted we are by God in Christ, well, we don't need to fight to get that from others, do we? That's the point. And it is Jesus' life and death then that have secured that certain future of a world at peace without war and famine and plague. And the Bible ends with that beautiful vision of when Jesus returns a world without sickness and suffering and pain and evil. That is good news that goes beyond pandemics and politics and gives us real hope and real good news to share this Christmas. This Christmas is going to be messy and strange and difficult. So was the first Christmas. But that was the Christmas that changed everything. So as we trust this saviour who came to save his people, as we learn from the sign that turns power on its head, let's sing the song that says all the glory must go to God. We want to sing it with our lips when we can, but most of all in our lives. Let me lead us in prayer now.
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favour rests. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus being born a saviour in obscurity, that we might come to him and find one who identifies us in our suffering, who comes to us as a saviour for our sin. Thank you that, that, that he has lived the perfect life and died the perfect death to serve and to save his people. And might we then trust him as our saviour now and, and share that good news of him with our needy world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.